Good evening. evening. Welcome to. Well, I only get to say that one more time. I can every time I come back. I sure can. So, and I promised a few of you I would not use that in Mississippi. So there'll be no more Sunday Night Live. That's a Waterford thing. Trademark. Is that what you call it, Brother Leonard? A trademark? Or, Or maybe a patent? Or I don't know. One of those things. Not a patent. The patent lawyer says not a patent. It's a word mark. Okay. All right. Well, I've tried to think of some songs to sing before I go. So next week we'll do the greatest commandments. But tonight, let's, let's talk about a common love. A common love for each other. If to the Savior a common bond, holding us to the Lord, a common strength, when we're weary, a common hope, for tomorrow a common joy in the truth. We're in 1 Peter chapter 3 tonight, verses 1 through 7, and you'll remember, well, first of all, there's the theme of 1 Peter that we've been examining, and that is surviving, living, thriving as strangers in a foreign land. We're citizens of another country, and we're behind enemy lines, and he's going to give us very, very clear instructions on how to survive in that, and that's very important because as time goes by, every year our society looks more like the society in which 1 Peter was written. And we've talked about so many ways in which that's true. Christianity is not as accepted as it was when some of us were younger. Uh, Society is becoming less moral and starting to call things which are evil good and things that are good evil and so forth and so on. And so we talked about how to survive persecution, how to endure through suffering, And then we talked about the importance of submission last week. Submission to governmental authorities, as long as we don't have to violate what God has instructed us to do and to be. And then he talked about submission even in our workplace. And tonight he's going to continue with that theme, and it's going to be submission within marriage. Wives, submit to your husbands, and then he'll give some instructions to husbands as well. Now, All of these themes throughout the book of 1 Peter are very timely, especially right now in our culture in 2020. But this one is particularly timely because if you haven't noticed, and if you haven't, it's because you live out in the country and don't have any satellite or television or internet or anything like that, but there's a lot going on in our culture in regard to gender. And it's interesting because people will say things like, well, there's only two sexes, but there's multiple genders. When I was visiting my daughter out in Boston, and you can imagine in Boston at one of the most liberal schools and institutions in our country, that I sat on the, she couldn't pick me up, Count was working, she was in school that day, so I flew into the airport, this has been a couple months ago, flew into the airport in Boston, and I decided to take a bus and then the, the subway over to 
Cambridge to see her at school. So as I was doing so, I got on the subway and a gentleman, I think it was a gentleman, got on the subway with me and sat across from me. And it was interesting because when I was a kid, we had things called goth. And then they started calling them emo. You know what I'm talking about with that? People would, it was a style, right? And they would often wear like dog chains around their neck and have dark hair and really, really makeup with really white faces. And it was just kind of dark and I don't know, it looked like Halloween all the time, kind of, right? So this guy kind of looked that way. He had combat boots on and he had a pin on. And, and it's difficult because even using that pronoun, he had, he had, he had, he didn't like that pronoun because his pronoun was they, them. It said they and them. And I, I really was, I was intrigued by that. I wanted to have a conversation with him, but I was a little afraid to. And we got, I got to Cambridge, he got off and I, I got off or they got off and I got off, whatever. So we got off, and I'm, I'm really not trying to be overly funny. I do like to be funny, but I'm, I'm, this is very sad to me. I got off, and I was talking with Reagan at lunch, and we are talking. She said, oh, yeah. She said, the first day at Harvard, we had to tell everybody um, what our gender pronouns were. It was re- it's required on your first day of class so that we won't offend anybody by calling them the wrong gender. And she said, out of her, the incoming fresh, I guess it's not fresh, 1L class or whatever, there's like 500 of them. And she said, there's, there's was like 20 or 30 that weren't he or she, um, him or her. They were they, them. And she said, and some people had others that they had kind of made up and that. And I said, well, to me, it didn't make sense because they, them, that's a multiple, Right. That's a plural, so it would be it or its. And she said, no, that would be very, very insultive. I said, I, I, just, I, I can't wrap my mind around it. And I can't wrap my mind around it partially because I have a very, very old school mindset about, which I think is a right mindset, by the way, but an old school mindset because I grew up in a world where that was not an issue. And it was in regard to home and family and men and women it was a pretty good world. And frankly, it's kind of shocking to me anybody wants to change it. Now, hold on. I know that there are folks who grew up in bad situations with abusive parents or maybe their home life wasn't what it should be. And, that, and I get that. But there was a time when you could look in folks' homes and you saw healthy, happy, well-adjusted people. And we're living in a time where this idea of male and female, of him and her, is becoming so confused. And I'll tell you, we, don't, we did laugh a little bit, but we don't need to make fun of. We need to pity and we need to be compassionate because, you know, there's nothing worse in all the world than to not know who you are. I look at Jenner and... I, I wonder, I look at that and it's just such a, a media frenzy. And all I can see when I see him is I feel sad for him. Because he doesn't know who he is. That's the very essence of not being able to feel good about yourself and self-esteem. The first thing to have it is you have to know who you are. 
And we live in a society that's telling people they can't even really know who they are, especially if they're they and them. How can you know who you are? And the Bible is going to speak very plainly to this issue as it talks about right relationships between husbands and wives. Now, I asked, Todd and I were talking about a particular song for tonight, and Dan walked up and Todd said, I couldn't think of one for wives to be submissive to your husband. So we asked Daniel, and Daniel is a wise young man. Because he came up with one just like that. Troublesome times are here. And I thought, no, that's not right. But he got me on the right track. I know the one. Tempted and tried we're. You know, but the, we joke about marriage because marriage is funny. Miss Lenora and I are, are bumping up on 30 years here pretty soon. And I can tell you, marriage, young people, it is the greatest Thing in all the world. It has its bumps. It has its difficult times. And Miss Lenore and I, we had our difficult times because I married a firecracker because I didn't want no weak woman. I wanted a, a woman. And Miss Lenora, she's <laughs> Miss Lenora, she's she's something. And boy, when we both, when we were younger and had that immaturity and that fire in our bellies. I mean, sometimes we go, we have a few pieces of furniture that are broken from those first few years. Never struck each other, of course, but we maybe took it out on other things and things that I don't recommend you do. But marriage is like that, isn't it? I mean, you have your ups and downs. You have your your screaming matches and you're making up and all of that. It's It's supposed to be that way. Because you kind of raise each other, right? We were married when we were 20 years old. I had went straight from my mama picking up my dirty clothes to expecting her to pick up my dirty clothes. Didn't work out exactly like I planned, but, you know, that's what you do. So, but she was 20 years old. We were young, and we grew up together. We raised each other, you know? And we've tried to live our lives based upon the biblical model of man and woman. And I can tell you that I have been fully fulfilled by having a woman who's a lady, who's a woman. And I hope that I've been a man to her. Because God made, and this is where this gender thing is so messed up. God made men and women distinctly different so that they could be, what did he say when he created Adam? And then he take a rib from him and created Eve. And he said that she might be a helpmeet, a helper. In other words, where he doesn't have everything all together, she will. And where she doesn't have everything. In other words, the puzzle pieces fit just right. And I could tell you that's true. But somehow that's become just an anathema in our culture to say men and women are fundamentally different. They're different gloriously, beautifully different. I mean, it, and, and that difference, I think what people haven't even realized is that difference is a lot of the attraction. That difference is a lot of the part that causes life to be good and be fulfilling. That when I'm the best man, I mean in a man, I can be. And when she's the best woman and fully a woman that she can be, that's when both of us get to be the best people we can be and be the most 
fulfilled. But yet you can't say there's any difference. I said this several years ago. I said it to some of you in the hallway here, and we were laughing. I said, this transgender thing ain't going to fly very far because it'll undo feminism. You do realize that, right? Because Seth, he made it to a college football team, but he was a decent high school basketball player, but he never was going to play college ball as a boy. But if we were totally wicked, totally deceitful people, didn't care anything about the Lord, I could have I encouraged him and he could have lied and said, yeah, I, I feel, I, I relate as a woman. And he would have made it to the best girls basketball team there is in college. Why? Because boys and girls are different. And it's okay to say that. Have you ever watched a, athletically a boys team versus a girls team? That just, just, they're different. God made us differently. Do you know even scientifically, muscle fibers are denser in men than they are in women? Bones are made differently. Our structures are different. The, the, the impact of estrogen versus the impact of testosterone on the body, God made us to complement, not to be the same. He made us to complement. And sure enough, you're seeing it now, aren't you? I mean, I must see an article every single week about some sporting activity where there's some girls are suing the organization because no girl's able to win first place anymore because some transgender guy is winning. I mean, the world's top female weightlifter right now is not a female. That's true. And it's happening in so many different areas. But, but what does that do? You know, in this country, they fought for so long for women to be able to vote and be able to have equal rights and be able to put in careers to be able to go far. What, is, what happens when suddenly there is no such thing as gender? To say that people aren't the same, all the same, there's no, you can't even identify it. We live in a world that doesn't even know what it wants, that has totally lost its mind. So we need to be a people who stand by what God, who created us, says can make us fulfilled and make us happy. And that is men be men and women be ladies. In this text, he's going to talk about submission. And when we get into the subject of submission, you talk about a word our society doesn't like, and particularly when you get into this realm, because they'll talk about power disparities, and they'll talk about the fact that, that women have been oppressed. I, I, I've grown up in a family. I knew my grandpa and my grandma, my mom and my dad, my, my marriage to Lenora, and now we have Josh and Rianne. So we have, I've associated with four generations in our family. And let me tell you, one thing no woman in the Williams family's ever been is oppressed. I mean, my grandma was a frying pan grandma. I mean, grandpa, you know, he crossed a certain line. She was going to let him have it. She weighed twice what he did, so she could really let him have it. And my grandpa used to say, I don't think I've ever told you all this before. My grandpa used to have this big joke with my grandma about, yeah, I love your grandma Lurleen. He says, and I love to hug her, so I hug in chalk. I said, hug in chalk? He said, yeah, I get as far as I can, and then I chalk, and then I go and I hug the rest of her. 
So my grandpa used to say, and you know what he she you know what my grandma would do when grandpa James would say that? She just giggle. Oh Jimmy. He said, I like a lot of women, you know, he, that's just the way he was. And the love between them was just beautiful. And the thing is, is when he got out of line, because sometimes men need their wives to be a little bit straight with them, right? The Bible didn't want to make these weak women who just never say anything to their husband. That's not submission. What submission is, is my grandma, who when my grandpa went out on a bender before he was a Christian, she'd go and get him and drag him home with frying pan in hand or rolling pen or whatever. But my grandpa went out and he made sure his family always had something to eat. And he made decisions, and he was able to, to make sure they had a home to live in, and he had a, you know, and he respected her, and she loved him no matter what, and that's what God intended for us, is to complement each other, and remember, submission is not subjugation. See, people get those words confused. They think submission means you're under somebody's thumb. Never. Submission is a decision. It's a choice. If you're being put under somebody's thumb, you're not submitting. You're being subjugated. You're being enslaved. No, we've been set free. Submission is when you willingly submit to the leadership of another. When you willingly submit. And we have to get those things straight. Submission is not a position of weakness. It's a position of power. Because it's a position of choice. Not of ever being forced. In the text, Peter is going to break this down for us. As he starts in verse 1, he says, Likewise, Wives, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if they do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with an incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. And Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with terror. I find it interesting that the biblical example of this he uses is Sarah and Abraham. Because let me tell you one lady in the scriptures that wasn't under her husband's thumb, it was Sarah. I mean, she spoke her mind. She pushed her husband. Sometimes it was right, sometimes it wasn't. But their relationship is used as a model to say, yes, she spoke her mind. Yes, she had influence. But when Abraham said, honey, I know you may not understand it, but we're leaving Ur of the Chaldeans. This is what's right for our family I don't know if Sarah said, oh, okay. Or she said, what are we doing? But she went. She went. And in this text, he talks about the beauty of submission. And what he describes here 
as I'll use it this way, when our kids were little, I have memorized pretty much every word of every Disney film made pre-2000, okay? We had a lot of princesses in our house with two daughters who thought the ultimate aspiration of womanhood was to be a princess. In fact, we've joked about our daughter, Rianne, because Rianne met Josh in, uh, when she was 11 or 12, and they started being boyfriend and girlfriend, although I didn't let them go out or anything until much later. But when they were 12, they've never held anybody else's hand. They've never had another boyfriend or girlfriend, her or Josh. And now they're married and have a baby all these years later. And they've kind of had this, we tease about her being the princess with the fairy tale life. She found her prince, you know, captain of the basketball team and the baseball team and Mr. Mars Hill and all the, and it just, and you look at that and I've had members of the church look at that and say, well, aren't you worried about them? What if they wonder what they missed out on? What if they wonder what it was like to date somebody else? And I said, well, in our family, we still believe in fairy tales. Because the Bible, we've lived a fairy tale, a beautiful fairy tale, because that's what the Bible describes, princesses and princes. And when you look at this text, he says, you can even win over, women have tremendous influence over their husband. That's why it says the uh, elder must be the husband of one wife. You know, one of the questions they often ask about this is, well, what if a man's wife dies? Should he remain an elder? I don't think the scriptures speak one way or another to that, but I've seen it. One place where we were, there was a man who was one of the best elders I've ever seen because he was a good man and he had an outstanding wife. And tragically, she passed away. And the other elders begged him to remain an elder. And he was still a good man, but he wasn't the same elder he was. You know why? Because his wife had such an impact on him. Now, she wasn't his head. She didn't run everything. But the impact she had because of her character was profound. And he says here, wives, don't be beautiful because of what you wear. Don't be beautiful because of you adorn yourself in a certain way. You be beautiful because of your character. He says, be submissive to your husbands. Be a lady of class. And I'm telling you, if I could speak to young women from the depths of my heart today, I would plead with them to please understand that men may say and act like they want a girl who is just as crude as they are, who is just as foul-mouthed as they are, But no man, no real man in his heart of hearts wants that in a woman. They want something to aspire to. Because women, I'm telling you, to make a woman equal with man is for a man to take a step up and a woman to take a step down. And so when we look at this, You know, we see boys, men, yeah, we're made different, right? Rails and snails and puppy dog tails, you remember that? And sugar and spice and everything nice. 
And if anybody in here who's had a boy and a girl that are little, you know the truth of that. One is beautiful and sweet and tender and kind, and the other one is filthy all the time, rolling in the dirt. I mean, there's just a... In some ways, women are the crowning jewel of everything God made. And yet they want to be like men. Don't take a step down. And then I have to say this. This whole living together business. Girls, don't ever buy into that lie. First of all, do you know the lie that the world tries to tell you is you need to try it out first. Do you know what the divorce rate? It's much higher for people who live together before they're married than people who don't. You know why? Commitment. When you wait to move in and to live together and for intimacy and all of those things as God designed it, guess what? You're telling that fella, I'm better than all of that. You're making him commit. And girls, a boy who won't commit to you isn't worth your time. And he isn't good enough for you. He isn't good enough for you. Real men commit. Real men commit. And that was the way God set it up, right? And so what he describes here is he talks about her spirit. The classiest in most families, what you're going to find, at least in years gone by, when it was more like the biblical model, is what you see is you're going to see a family, and you might see a dad, and you might see sons, and you might see daughters, but the classiest person in that family was almost always who? Mom. She had the classiest speech, her actions, her maturity, and that's what God describes here. A woman who has such influence over her husband and, of course, then also over her children because of her beautiful character. Her character. And I've seen it over and over. Wives, some of you had husbands that weren't faithful or weren't members of the church, but in time, it made a difference. And some of you have been working on your husband for years I encourage you, keep it up. There are folks in this church that their wives worked on them for 40 years until they finally came to the Lord. Because the Lord's system works. And that means be you do what's right. Don't compromise what's right. Don't, you know, go skiing with him on Sunday mornings. You say, no, honey, I'm, I'm going to church. But when you get home, cook him a meal and be submissive and be sweet to him. And in time, it has an impact because women have a powerful influence over their husbands. And I'm telling you, when you bow up to him, it doesn't influence him as quickly or as powerfully as the power of submission. Because I don't care if any man will admit it or not, and I know a lot of folks these days won't, but there's nothing more attractive to a man than a lady who's a lady and has that submissive but strong spirit. That is, oh man, that's attractive. Now he's going to get to what he says to men. Verse 7. 
Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together with the grace of life that your prayers cannot, should not be hindered. If she's to be a princess, this describes a man who's to be a prince. You know what I find interesting is we get so, we get this all muddled up so badly. I've heard folks argue and ladies argue, well, I don't know why I have to be submissive to my husband and, and, and you know, he doesn't deserve it. He probably won't. That's just the truth. He probably won't deserve it. But, you know, I, why should, and it's almost as if he gets all the benefit. I'll, I'll tell you, there was a time for years and years and years in the United States do you know that women lived an average of eight to 10 years longer than men? In my family, I mean, my grandma, my grandpa died a black lung from working in the coal mines all his life at 60. And my grandma lived in 94, 34 years after her husband died. And you would see that all the time before. Do you know that gap is narrowing? Men and women are starting to live closer, much closer to the same. And that's a problem. Men should die before women should. You know why? Because they should have more stress. My grandma didn't worry about if they were going to. Now, she worked. My grandma worked at the glove factory sometimes to help out during the Depression, during other times during the war. She helped out. But she knew at the end of the day that Jimmy Williams was going to work 16 or 18 hours a day, if that's what it took, because that's the responsibility of a man to take care of his family. And men should be the ones when the bills come that are wringing their hands, pulling out their hair, wondering how they're going to make it. And when their wife says, is it going to be all right? He needs to look her in the eye and know it's true. It's going to be all right, baby, because we trust the Lord. But I'm going to make it all right, no matter what I've got to do. And so when, I'll tell you, I don't want women to, have that same equal responsibility because a princess shouldn't have to have that stress on her shoulder. That's why she's got her man in her life. And what a security to know that no matter what, as long as that man sleeping in that bed with me every night, as long as that man draws breath, my children and I are going to be taken care of no one's going to hurt us. But over his dead body, we're not going to go hungry. We're going to have what we need. You see, that's the intent that God had. Now, I understand we live in a different culture. Miss Lenora, since the kids went back to school, she's, she's worked in our life because it's just better to get insurance as a preacher. You know, we don't, we don't work for an organization that can buy those group plans. But I'll tell you, when the bills come, I don't think you've stressed about them very much, have you? Do you even know what we pay in a house payment? I don't think she does. Because I'll tell you, I don't think it's her responsibility to make sure it's all taken care of. When we look at this, and I know I've rambled a little bit tonight, but I feel very, very passionate about this because I have two girls and a son. And I want my girls to be ladies. And I want my son to be a prince among men.
and know how to treat a lady. And I'll tell you, when we live those roles, and, you know, we could look over at Ephesians chapter 5, where it says to, talks about wives be submissive to their husbands, but then he says to husbands, and husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. You love her so much, you would give your life it's not hard to be submissive to a man like that even if he makes a decision or two that you don't necessarily wouldn't have been the decision you made there have been a few of those times I was generally right but there have been a few of those times but Miss Lenora she's been submissive wife strong scary sometimes but submissive and I'll tell you, I wouldn't trade it for all the world. Because if you live this way, go ahead and pull out the Disney film. Because you get to live a fairy tale. Tonight, I don't know exactly what need in someone's life this may address, except things that you might want to say between yourselves, husband to wife, wife to husband. But if there is a need in your life that you need help with, that we can pray about with you, encourage you, just go forth tonight and determine. I'm going to go home and I'm going to be her prince. And ladies, go home and live with class. Be that princess. If you need to come tonight, come as we stand and as we sing.